from the beginning of time, God's desire, God's heart, was for his presence to dwell and live among his people. And so this period, we are looking at this season whereby we are kind of looking in the Old Testament because we know that Jesus came to be among us and to be with us. So we, we want to look into the Old Testament and see, was this actually the plan of God from the beginning? Was actually God, was actually Jesus in the Old Testament? Was this actually something that just happened as a coincidence? Or is this something that actually God worked in plan? And throughout creation, throughout generation, God has been working for a plan with mankind to live and dwell with him forever. So it blesses me this morning to be in the presence of God and to know that God is here and I can tangibly feel his presence even as I worship this morning. So today I want to look at a passage in Exodus which I'll parallel with another passage in John. The passage I'm looking at is Exodus 3 and I'm going to read from verse 10. The Bible says, So now God I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you have to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. For God said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. My key verse there is verse 14 which says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. I'm also going to read John 6 from verse 32 which says, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never now I have a question. How many of you in the room are 80 years and above? 80 years and above. Do we have 80 and above in the room? Only one. This time God is speaking to Moses. Moses is now 80 years old. So there is only one person in the room who would be the age of Moses when God is speaking to him at this time? Now the first thing and the most things that as Christians we do 
we dismiss ourselves. When we are young, we dismiss ourselves as being too young. And when we start hitting upper 60s and 70s, we dismiss ourselves completely and say, I am too old to be used by God or to serve in ministry. Now, I just want to throw out a challenge for those who are approaching that senior years. That by the time God is commissioning Moses to go, and the commission that God is commissioning Moses is a gigantic commission. He's commissioning Moses to go and lead three million people out of the bondage of the Egyptians and take them out into the promised land. Now Moses is 80 years old when he receives this commission from God. Now Moses would have dismissed himself because of age. Because he asked, Moses asked God, who am I that you should send? It is the same question you and I ask ourselves all of the time when God is speaking to us. We ask ourselves, who am I? Now Moses had so many reasons why he would say, who am I? Why? Because the first 40 years of his life, he had tried to rescue the Israelites from the bondage of Egypt. And when he tried with his own ability, he ended up becoming a murderer because he murdered an Egyptian. Now when he tried to break a fight between two Israelites who were fighting, they told him, who gave you the authority to be a ruler over us? So he realized that even in his kind heart and his efforts, he could not do it at the age of 40. That made him disappear in the wilderness, in the desert, where he had spent another 40 years being a shepherd. Now you've got to understand at this point also in time, a shepherd was one of the low of the lowest jobs you could ever find. So Moses is there, 40 years in the desert, tending to his uncle's sheep. And then God tells him, I'm going to send you. Now Moses would have dismissed himself as he does clearly and says, who am I? He's saying, I'm just a mere shepherd. How can I be used by God? He would also dismiss himself by saying, I'm, yes, I'm living as a shepherd, but I'm also a murderer. I've killed someone. I am a sinner. How can I be sent in the mission field? But the thing that I notice here, God actually does not address Moses' concern of who am I. Because Moses was asking God the wrong question. Same as me and you, we tend to ask God the wrong question. Instead of Moses asking, who am I? The right question Moses was supposed to ask was, who is with me? Because when you and I know who we are with, when you and I know who is standing beside us, when you and I know that who is giving us the authority, then the question of who am I is not going to apply. So God does not answer Moses' question, who am I? God instead tells Moses, I'm with you. Now hang on a minute. That throws me back forward 1,500 years. Now Jesus is speaking to his disciples and commissioning them. And he says to them, go into the world and speak, and speak good news. Baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have spoken to you. That is Matthew 28. <coughs> but then he doesn't stop there. He tells them, Lo, I am going 
to be with you. I want to tell you that the commissioning of the Father, the commissioning of Jesus, the commissioning of God, He does not throw you in the field and leave you on your own. Every time He throws you in the field, He goes with you. He is with you. He is beside you. He is in you. And so the same commissioning God commissions Moses and tells him, I will be with you. It is the same commission Jesus gives to you and me and tells us, I am with you. The assurance that God is with us will be in us a catalyst for us to fix our eyes on Jesus and get our eyes of ourselves. Because in ourselves, we cannot do it. And the same promise that God gave to Moses is the same promise Jesus gives to us. But Moses does not stop there. Moses tells God, what if I go and tell these people that God has actually sent me? They are not going to believe me. And they ask me, what is his name? What am I going to tell them? Tell them. Now, I believe this is one of the fundamental questions of the scripture. Moses is asking God, what is your name? What am I going to tell these people that they are, you are sending me to what your name is? Now, I don't think Moses asked that God because he lacked understanding of who God was. Because previous to this verse, in verse 6, God tells Moses, I am the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So Moses already knew who God was. He was an Israelite. He was worshipping this one true God. And he knew who, who he was. So he was not asking for the sake of just making a conversation. And he was not asking for the sake of God identifying himself, who he was, because he already knew who God was. So why would Moses ask God his name? I want to suggest to you two fundamental reasons why Moses asked the name of God. The first reason that Moses asked the name of God is for communication. Moses knew his God as the God of Abraham, the God of his forefathers. But in essence, by asking God's name, he was asking God, I want to have a communication with you. I want to speak to you. I want to know you. I want to move closer to you. I want to have a relationship with you. I'm going to give you a quick example. If I walk out of here, headed to the papa, and I hear someone say, hey, dude, or, hey, buddy, I might just continue going. I might not even look back. But if I look out here and I hear someone say, hey, Felix, I will immediately turn and look around to see who is calling. Why? Because when you know the name of someone, when you know the name of something, then you have a relationship. So in essence, what Moses is telling God here is that, may I have a relationship with you? Can I have your phone number? Can I have your email address? Can I have your WhatsApp? 
I need to keep in touch. I need to keep communicating with you. <clears throat> the second reason, not just communication, but also revelation. Bear in mind, God is not the name of God, if that makes sense. The name of God is not God. God is the title. In the UK, we have a prime minister who has resigned. We have a prime minister in the UK. Her name is not prime minister. Her title is the prime minister, but her name is Theresa May. We address her as the prime minister. But if you go closer, probably her husband, maybe her children, maybe her closest friend, when they are in their house having a conversation, they don't call her prime minister. They will call her Teresa May or Teresa or Trace, whatever. Because they have a relationship with her. So they can communicate with her by addressing her personally in the personal relationship. So Moses is saying, God, can you give me a revelation of your name? Yes, I know your name is God. But can you reveal that name to me? Can you unpack that name to me so that I can be able to understand you? Bear in mind also, at this time of day, it's still happening in some parts of Africa, the name that someone was given was not just a name that you would pluck out of the sky and say, oh, I have that name, so I'm just going to name my child. A name was derived from the nature and the character of someone. So by Moses telling God, tell me your name, he's actually telling God, can you reveal your nature, your character to me? Now this is evident in the New Testament when Jesus says that, pray in my name and you will receive it. What Jesus is saying is not like, pray any prayer you want to pray, then stick on in the name of Jesus and I will do it. So in other words, you can't go on and say, my boss is really messing my head up. He's really giving me hard time. Jesus, can you make him have an accident? In Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't work that way. Because Jesus' nature is tender and loved and caring. But if you say, my boss is giving me real problems, Lord, will you change his heart? Will you turn him around? Will you enable us to have a conversation that will not end up in fighting? Now that is the nature and the character of God. So when you say in Jesus' name, God will do it because you are praying in the nature and in the character of God. So it is this nature and character that Moses is asking, reveal it to me. Now Moses also knew that if he goes to the elders of Israel and tells them, God has sent me, they're going to ask him, how did he reveal yourself to you? Because history tells us, and Moses knew history very well because he wrote it. When we look in the book of Genesis, we see history, how God encountered other people, other patriots. How did he do that? For Abraham, God encountered him. When he encountered him, he was with Melchizedek and called him Most High. That is Genesis 14. 
he later encountered God in Genesis 17, and he came to know him as the everlasting God. And later, he encountered him as the Lord who will provide. We find Haggai also in generation 16, who encountered God, and in a, in a, she encountered God as, you are the God who sees. Then we meet Jacob, who encountered God as El Elohe Israel, and El Bethel. So Moses knew very well when he goes to the children of Israel and tells them, I've had an encounter with God. The first question they're going to ask is, how did he reveal his nature, his character to you? And that is why he is asking this question. So God tells him, I am who I am. Now, Putting myself in the shoes of Moses, I would have wondered, you are who you are. It doesn't make really sense. What are you? You are who you are. I am what I am. What does that mean? It's, it doesn't even look like a name. What God said, I am, would come to be revealed years and thousands of years later when Jesus walked on the sea. Because Jesus praying for his disciples, praying for the church in John 17, Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the men who you have given me out of the world. Jesus is praying to the Father. He's praying for you and I. And he tells the Father, I have manifested your name to the world. Now the question that we beg to ask is, how did he manifest the name of God? How did he manifest this I am in a language that you and I can be able to understand? To get that, we have to look at the other passage we looked at, at John 16. Now the context of this passage is that Jesus had fed the 10,000 people. As he fed the 10,000, the following, the following day, after he fed them, he, the, the disciples got in the boat and crossed over the Jordan to the other side of the lake. But Jesus didn't go with them. But when these people realized that, oh, some boats have left and have crossed over to the other side. They realized quickly, oh, Jesus has gone on the other side. So they quickly got in the other boats that were available and they crossed over to the other side. And they were looking for Jesus, but they couldn't find him. So later, they found Jesus. And when they found Jesus, they told him, where have you been? We've been looking for you all over the place. And Jesus, seeing their hearts, told them, you have not been looking for me to be with me, but you have been looking for me because you ate the bread and you are fed. And then they go on to speak about oh, how Moses was great, how he provided for them bread in the desert, how they ate manna and they were satisfied. And that is where we pick up our text in John 6, which says, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven 
and gives life to the world. So they say, Sir, always give us this bread. So Jesus is correcting them and referring them back to Moses and telling them, it is not actually Moses who gave you that bread. That bread came from the Father. But it is not that bread you should even be focusing on. For the real bread is the bread of God that came down from heaven to you. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that bread that Moses fed you in the wilderness was a picture. It was a picture of me coming down from heaven to come to you, to be available for you. Now, how so? Now, this bread, if you go back to Genesis, if this bread was very small, it was round, and it was white. It was called man. If you go to the Catholic Church, their Holy Communion actually is close representation of how the man got And this bread, it defines perfectly the character, the nature of Jesus. One, its size, it was small. Jesus, in his authority, in his honor, in his glory, he left all that glory and he became small by coming down to the earth to walk among men and to die for you and me. So that is a picture of the size of the bread. The color, it was white. Jesus was pure in nature. He was white as snow. But he came down and stepped into the darkness. And he has shown the light of Christ. Even in the dark areas of our lives. By continuing to shine that bright light in each one of us. The taste of the bread was sweet as honey. The Bible tells us, test and see that the Lord is good. When we test Jesus, we realize how good he is. We've sung about it so many times this morning. So Jesus tells them, I am the bread. The same statement that God makes in Exodus 3. Jesus now says, I am. But Jesus doesn't just leave it at I am, my name is I am. Now he puts some flesh on it and says, I am the bread. So what Moses couldn't understand in Exodus, Jesus has just revealed to us 1,500 years later by saying, I am the bread. Now, there is a huge difference here. The people wanted the bread, wanted Jesus to give them the bread. But Jesus is telling them, I'm not going to give you the bread. I am the bread. If we can get this, our life can change completely. Bread is not something that Jesus gives. Bread is something that Jesus is. 
He says, I am the bread. Whatever it is, whatever bread you need, whatever thing you need in life, I don't give that thing. I am that thing. Because this is not the first I am statement that he makes. He will go on to make other statements. I am the light. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. In essence, he's saying, whatever it is that you need, that thing, I am. But here is my problem. I walk my Christian life going to Jesus because I want something from him. I want healing. I want restoration. I want wealth. I want children. And the list is endless. And time and time again, we come before Jesus with our shopping list because we want this and we want that and we want that. Not realizing that it is not those things that we want. Jesus doesn't give those things. Jesus is those things. So if we can just lean on Jesus, depend on Jesus, cling on Jesus, all those things are in Christ Jesus. Let me help you understand this. My little boy, Zachary, he's just started speaking now. If Zachary would come to me now and tell me, Daddy, show me the way to go home. I can, tell the, I can tell him, get out of the door, turn right, walk through to the junction, turn left, walk up to the lights, make another right, big roundabout, take third exit, lights, turn right, turn left, and you are home. Now, I've told him the way. But then Tucker might come out of this door, and as he reaches just out there, he meets his friend, uh, Asher. Now, Asha and Zachary like playing around, and they like playing the ambulance. So Asha might be doing, Nino, Nino, and Zachary following. Two minutes later, Zachary will completely forget what I had told him. He will be lost. But Zachary can come and tell me, Daddy, I want to go home. And I tell Zachary, okay. I pick him up. I put him on my shoulders, and then I start walking. Now I can get out there and find the road ones. They blocked the road. I'll just keep walking because I know where I'm going. Now Zachary seated on my shoulders is not going to panic that oh my goodness, they are road ones. They blocked the road. What am I gonna do? Because. It is not his responsibility to know the way. It is my responsibility and I know where I'm taking him. So by him just resting on me, sooner or later he will realize we are at the door. We are home. And that is the picture of Christ. It is not show me the healing, show me the restoration, or show me how to become rich, or show me how to do this. But rather, just rest in me. And once you rest in me, everything that I have is available for you. And you will reach your destination by just resting in me, by just looking up to me. So that is what we need to get. 
So Jesus does not give bread. He is the bread. He does not take you out of darkness. He is the light. When you are in him, there is no darkness. He does not give you life. He is the life. He does not open the door. He is the door. He doesn't show you the way. He is the way. The power is in the authority of Jesus who when we rest in him we know that he is the I am. I am what? I am everything. I am is the divine power Jesus took upon himself clearly identified with the voice of God from Exodus 3. And that is why later with authority Jesus would clearly say in John 8 Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe I am. In 28 he says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know I am. Most assuredly I say to you, Abraham, before Abraham, I am. What Jesus is saying is, I am God. And I am everything. The name of God that could not be revealed at Exodus, Jesus has revealed it by saying that I am. So let me just come back to this bread for a second. The children of Israel had a choice when this man dropped from heaven. When this man had dropped from heaven, it used to drop every morning and in the morning. Now they had a choice in the morning. They had a choice to pick this man up very early in the morning and eat it. If they picked this man up very early in the morning and eat it, they would be satisfied. And it would carry them throughout the day. Now Jesus says that he is the bread. He is this manna that came down from heaven. Like the children of Israel, if we wake up every morning and pick of this man, and pick of this Jesus, and eat of him every morning, the way Brian was telling us in his word, if we pick on Jesus every morning and we eat of him every morning, then he gives us the strength to go through the day. So every children of Israel who would pick this manna and eat it in the morning got the strength to go through the day. The second choice that they had, or the second thing that they did, some of them would just wake up, not pick on the manna, and just walk and go where they were going. Now as they did that, they stepped on this man, they trampled on it. Now, if we don't pick the man, if we don't pick Jesus every morning, if we don't pick Jesus in our lives, what we're going to do is we will stumble on him as we go by. But this is the good news for you and I. God's heart is not for you to perish, but to have everlasting life. So God is saying that if you have to stampede on me, and go to hell, you will have to do that over my dead body. 
And he has died on the cross because of him. So for you to reject completely and say, I'm not going to pick on Jesus, I'm not going to pick on this man, I'm not going to pick on this bread. For you to do that, for you to be able to make that choice, you have to say that I do not value at all what you did for me on the cross. So I will stampede on you as I go to hell. But God is so loving and kind. He saying, my heart is not that you go to perish, but have everlasting life. So regardless of your sin, regardless of your shortcoming, he has died on the cross so that you can put your faith and trust in him and you will have everlasting life. It's almost an impossible choice for you to go to hell. Because Jesus is giving you a clear line of life. And that is, I have died for you. Put my faith in me and I will give you time. The third thing they could do, they could ignore it. They would not stampede on it. They would stay in their houses and ignore completely the man is out there. People are feeding. And as Christians, we can be Christians, but we can ignore completely that Christ is available for us to go to. And we can stay in our little houses and ignore him. And in our ignorance, we will claim, I just don't feel the presence of God. I don't feel God anymore. God has deserted me. But I want to tell you, God is available for you always. The moment you will realize, I can just come, you will realize he is available for you. Now, the last thing they would do also is store this man. So some of the children of Israel, according to Exodus 16, would gather this man and say, I'm just going to gather a lot for several days and then keep it up. So that tomorrow I don't need to wake up and go big man. I can just feast on the stories that I have kept. But Exodus 16 tells us that the moment they would store them, later in the day, it will start to stay. And for us Christians, we can say, let me come to church on Sunday. Let me worship God. Let me hear the word. Let me store as much as possible. Then when I go out during the week, I don't need to pray, I don't need to study the word, I don't need to do anything until next Sunday. My storage is full, I am comfortable until the next Sunday. But what happened to them is something that is going to happen to you. If we don't feed on this every day, if we don't dig into this word every day, if we don't look out to Jesus every day, there will be a stench in our lives. So Jesus is saying, I am this way. So just come and just say, I'll come for who you are.